0: it's the only way that we can get through this is by not being alone
1: but by being with each other i'm ellen besner and this is what jewish canada sounds like for monday may 3rd 2021 welcome to the cjn daily brought to you by metropia No, don't touch your dial. That is the sound of our first ever CJN Daily podcast one year ago today in May of 2021. We launched the Daily on the weekend after the stampede at Mount Moron in Israel killed two Canadians and 40 others when huge crowds of Haredi Jews gathered at a holy site in northern Israel for the Lag Baomer festival. Okay, the sound was terrible, and the editing wasn't great either, and we were supposed to run an episode about Jewish Heritage Month for our first show with special guests Linda Frum and Michael Levitt. They're the two politicians who had shepherded the whole Jewish Heritage Month legislation through Parliament. But the CJN Daily did what news shows are supposed to do, and we pivoted and we brought you the breaking news. Well, today, Monday, is our 200th episode, and to mark our one-year anniversary, we're heading back to Israel, virtually of course, to chat with the two hosts of the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing podcast. They started their show just around the same time as we did. They also run 15-minute long episodes, and you may not know, but both of the hosts, Amanda Borcheldan and Jessica Steinberg have very strong ties to Canada. They'll break down what we can expect out of Israel these next few weeks. Is it safe to travel there? What will happen with the Bennett government coalition when the Knesset resumes? Are the Al-Aqsa Mosque terror attacks finished? Is the violence going to quiet down? Or will there be a war? And how aware Israelis are about the rising anti-Semitism that we Jews in the diaspora are facing.
2: I think that has increased the awareness here in Israel that, yes, the diaspora is the front line for anything that happens to us here in Israel. You there in the diaspora bear another burden. You are part of the war, whether you want to be or not, whether you are even a supporter of Israel or not.
1: I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, May the 2nd, 2022, our second year. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Before we get into our conversation with the Times of Israel, I want to thank you, our longtime listeners, who've been with us since the first week. And I also want to thank those of you who've discovered us more recently. I want to thank our great team that helps make the CJN Daily happen every day. Producer Victoria Redden, executive producer Michael Freeman, our managing editor Mark Weisblatt, all our colleagues at the CJN, and the creative composer of our theme is Dov Beck-Levine. A hearty thank you as well to all the great guests who've come on our show over the past year. We now have 277,000 downloads of our episodes. That's over a quarter of a million. It's really an honor to make this show for you. Now, we'll be adding some new features to the CJN Daily that I think you'll like, including some regular guests. First up, later this week, we'll have a new column called the CJN Daily Deadbeat, where we'll give honorable mention and talk about interesting Jewish people in the community who've passed away. And later on in the season, we'll be bringing other regular guests on for their takes on current events of Jewish interest. So I'm actually looking for people who are good talkers and have interesting things to say. Let's make the CJN Daily more of a two-way street with your voices in our new CJN Daily Lounge. I'll be sharing lots of more details about this in the coming days, so stay tuned. Up next, our deep dive into Israeli news. But first, here's an important message.
0: From award-winning journalist Marsha Lederman comes Kiss the Red Stairs, a compelling memoir of Holocaust survival, intergenerational trauma, divorce, and discovery that will guide readers through several lifetimes of monumental change. Marcia was five, when a simple question led to a horrifying answer. She asked her mother why she didn't have any grandparents. Her mother told her the truth. The Holocaust. Decades later, her parents dead and herself a mother to a young son, Marsha begins to wonder how much history has shaped her own life. Reeling in the wake of a divorce, she craves her parents' help. But in their absence, she is gripped by a need to understand the trauma they suffered, and she begins her own journey into the past to tell her family stories of loss and resilience. Kiss the Red Stairs, available now wherever books are sold.
1: And joining us now from Israel, from the Times of Israel Daily Briefing, are Amanda Borscheldan and Jessica Steinberg. It's so great to meet you. Welcome to the CJN Daily. Thank you so much for having us. Very, very happy to be here. Congratulations, ladies, lady podcasters in journalism talking about Jewish news. It's great to be in your company. I feel that, you know, very alone (laughs) on this side of the ocean because I'm the only one doing this in in North America, as far as I know, around the world, a daily Jewish news podcast about Canada. So it's good to have it's good to have our peeps (laughs) around us. I want to start off by uh, asking if you can say why it was decided that the Times of Israel uh, had to have a daily podcast, a news
2: podcast. So we actually began before COVID and the the main impetus I would say more than just the need for it in the market was our endless election cycle. And uh, David put his finger on it and he said we can enlighten so many people about what's going on here. It's so confusing for us. Let us explaining let us explain it to everyone else and make it short and snappy and deliver into their pockets. So we did that.
1: And who do you who do you know uh, listens? Have you figured out where and the demographics and the countries and, and what political stripes?
2: Well, I know most of the people who listen really hate my accent. Other than that, most of our reviews have been <laughs> rather favorable, though we do get from both sides. It can be those who label us as ultra liberal or those who call us, uh, you know, nasty settlers or something like that. We get really comments from all sides. But I would say the the leitmotif is everyone hates my accent and one of our colleagues who says a lot of sort of's. These are the comments that we get. Um, but in terms of geographically, I would say that most of our listeners are from North America, but we also have from all over the world, including, of course, Israel.
1: And age-wise, um, would they be older or younger? Do you know how it skews?
2: I don't, Jess. Do you have any No, I, I
1: don't.
3: What I was going to say is that we, I, you hear, obviously, from your listeners sometimes And what we do here is people, they love the fact, I'm sure you get this as well, that it's this 15 minutes of information. It gives you the top of the news. You listen to it in your car. You listen to it, you know, walking to work or whatever, or staying at home, washing the dishes. And you feel like you're updated on what is going on on that day. In terms of age, I mean, when I hear from our listeners, I really hear about it from a, a range of ages. Um middle-aged people, even some younger, uh, certainly older as well. Although sometimes figuring out how to listen to podcasts can be complicated if you haven't done it before, but I, my older brother, I showed him how to do it and he got right on it. Eventually he was able to figure out how to open the app on his
1: phone. So once you have that, you're pretty, you're in pretty good shape. I have so many questions about how our experience covering Jewish stories, uh, our different lived experiences versus what Israelis care about. And so my first thing I want to know is how aware is are Israeli, Israelis about the lived experience, especially, for example, now in North America, but specifically Canada with the spikes in anti-Semitism record BDSs at campuses, and um, we just had Al-Quds Day on Saturday in Toronto, and, though, and the police are like, this is our job to facilitate these kinds of protests. And the community is like, "Oh, okay. Well, we've been asking you for you know five years to stop it." Amanda, take it as Jewish World editor.
3: I'll jump in.
2: Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, And I would say this: Uh, Israelis, until probably hmm, a a number of years ago, two, three, really had the feeling that North America does not experience anti-Semitism and has never really experienced anti-Semitism. I recall uh, fondly attending a lecture that was uh, uh, done by a good friend of mine, Michael Goodman. He's a philosopher. He's an author. He's very well known. He's an extremely intelligent person. But he was proposing then that America, North America, but America, United States specifically has never had any kind of grassroots anti-Semitism. And I pointed out to him at that lecture that you know, there's at that point it was a growing low flame anti Semitism. Since then, that was prior to, shall we say, the reign of uh, former President Donald Trump. But in any case since then we've all seen it around the world. It's splashed on all of the papers. Headlines have been made everywhere about the anti the the rearing up of anti Semitism in the United States, which of course is most emblemized by The shooting in pittsburgh that left 11 people dead you're
1: having a war you have existential we we here in the diaspora have um you can't compare what life is like but being jewish in the diaspora right now is hard and scary and it was terrible last summer during the war. It's a one-year anniversary.
2: I think with the um, international definition of uh, anti-Semitism, we're not putting that out properly, but as one of the lines is anti-Israelism as anti-Semitism. Obviously in New York, the most of the strikes, the anti-Semitic strikes were on those who are quote-unquote visibly Jewish, the ultra-Orthodox. So I think because of that, also in Europe, obviously, France has been a a viper's nest of anti-Semitism. Those who are visibly Jewish have borne the brunt of it. And I think most Israelis are increasingly aware of that, that any kind of conflict that happens here domestically is playing out wherever there are Jews in the world, which is everywhere.
1: I think our listeners would like to know what What is what's coming up? This is a big week. There's Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaAzma'ut, there's the Knesset begins. So what are you uh, covering? What should we be expecting for news out of Israel in the next couple of weeks?
3: Assuming everything stays quiet. uh, Obviously, the Knesset coming out of their vacation will be, you know, everyone will be looking to see what's happening with the coalition, which has really been very shaky over the last few weeks and seeing if it can hold together, if Bennett can hold together this, this Knesset coalition and keep it going without going to new elections. I would say that's, you know, so that's one of the big issues that's in the offing. And again, that's assuming everything else remains quiet. This week, as you point out, with Yom HaZikaron and Yom Ha'atzmaut with uh, Memorial Day and Independence Day, you know, the country goes into this very quiet mode on Wednesday. Uh, kids have school. There are ceremonies in the morning, and then as the day gets, as you get towards evening, there's the transition to Independence Day, which is a day which is a national day. We are not actually having our podcast on Thursday, and uh, that is the day, as many might know, of barbecues and picnics and gatherings of friends and family, and you know, real celebration on Wednesday night and Thursday
1: I mean but right? you just had the Ariel uh, murder uh, you have you just came off of the period when Al-Aqsa uh, was flaring up um, is that is everything going to quiet down or are we going to continue seeing more of these uh, you know horrific horrific murders of Israelis and the response
2: which well they say watch. prophecy is dead but uh, I'll take a, a, a quick take on it um over the weekend, we heard from the head of Hamas in Gaza, Sinwar, who was extremely belligerent and uh, very threatening against Israel. Um, he is not yet ramping things up to the point where we're going to any kind of war, thank God. But uh, it's always there. It's always this little voice in the background. And he's not only uh, threatening against Jewish Israelis. He's also taking on the head of Ra'am, Abbas Mansur, Mansour Abbas, sorry, uh, who is being, uh, like in the IRA definition, accused of dual loyalty, right? That isn't the IRA definition. But in any case, um, who knows? You never know. What's most troubling of this last spate has been that uh, several of those involved were. Israeli Arabs, those who carry Israeli citizenship. And so it's no longer, if it ever was, a sense of those who live in Gaza or in the West Bank are against Israelis. But now there's more, and and we've seen this in the past 10 years for sure, a sense of a Palestinian peoplehood, no matter where they are geographically or what kind of citizenship or non-citizenship they hold. So can we say that it'll go away? No, it'll never go away. It will never go away. In fact, (laughs) my little brother has never, ever visited me in Israel, and he always jokes that he'll come when there's peace. And so I say, okay, so I'll never see you.
1: That's hard. That's hard. That's a hard one. Is it safe to come now? Because A, COVID, B, violence.
3: There's a lot of tourists here. Uh, I was in Jaffa and Tel Aviv on Friday for an event, and you could not drive down or walk down the streets because of all the tourist buses of Americans and Germans and Swiss and French. I think there's a big flow of people back to Israel. Is it safe? As you point out, a lot of people were here on Passover and the, the week before Passover, which was when the terrible terror attack happened on Dizengoff um, at a bar, and I personally knew of a lot of people who were visiting and were out to dinner nearby and had to get back to their hotels because everyone was told to go somewhere as they were chasing down as the police were chasing down the terrorist. I think I think a lot of people are coming back because they've just been waiting to travel uh, in a post or a sense of post-COVID world. Is it safe? Is it safe anywhere? I don't, you know, as you were talking about anti-Semitic attacks and horrible shootings and things that happen everywhere in our world, it's, our world is not what it what it was. Or maybe as Amanda said, I'm going to get her wording wrong. Um, maybe it's always been there and we just didn't see it. It didn't rise to the surface as much. I think people in, in this, where we are now, they just feel like if they want to go somewhere... You just have to sort of do it and decide if you feel okay with it i want um, to ask yeah.
1: you about something it's actually a serious thing because it brings us back to where we started which was uh, a year ago black bombers coming up may 19th this year so a little bit later um i'm sure you covered it and i wonder whether you've been doing stories or do we know if there's more safety um protocols being put in place for the pilgrimages
2: you can never know uh, there are um, requirements of tickets This year, and so there's an expectation that there will be a limited number. But uh, when it comes to religious holidays and freedom of expression, especially I would say in the ultra Orthodox community, there's a sense that uh, the actual state authorities have little or perhaps less authority than they should being from the state. So it's really, I would say, up to the rabbis of each community to hammer home the message that they don't want this to happen again. Uh, Jess, would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, I, I, I had the same thoughts. It's They are definitely doing what they can in terms of the authorities to limit and to, you know, in terms of the space there at at Har Mehron to make sure that it's safe and that obviously they're the ramps or any kind of structures that are built are safer, but it is very much the rabbinic authorities of each community who ultimately are the leaders of those communities and have the most influence, in a sense, over their followers and what will and who will go and and how many people will end up there. Um, but obviously, no one wants that any kind of tragedy like that to happen again. So we'll see how many people show up this year
1: one of the big things that is happening of course besides the the may 8th and the knesset um and some of the scandals involved you know whether the bullets were being sent to the the bennett family and his housing expense scandals which are sort of those are on your radar as well right but then there's the makabeah games in the summer which is a huge diaspora travel into israel and um are you guys going to be covering that and um then we'll we'll get into the canadian angle in a second.
3: We don't have a dedicated sports writer, but we do oh, have. We do.
2: <laughs> we do. We have we have a woman, a female journalist who really dislikes yes. being a dedicated yes. sports yes. writer because she's yes. not a sports person, but she no. joined us when we needed a sports person. For the Olympics. So, yes. Yes. Yeah.
3: But so and we definitely usually cover some aspects of the Maccabiah games. We don't necessarily have someone who's there at all times. So we'll be there in some in some sense, for sure.
1: Well, I mean, Israel's women's hockey team, we covered that um, when they had their first championship a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the first ever Israel women's hockey team will be playing with the first ever women's hockey um, program against Canadian women's hockey, U.S. women's hockey, in the Maccabi game. So for for us, that's big. Uh, I don't know if if you guys have been covering the Israeli women's hockey team, because it's led by a Canadian. And there's Canadians on it. And they're amazing. I f- feel like we might
3: have had a story, Amanda. The they reflection. were in Belgrade
1: in Serbia and um, Iran did not play because of it. It was it's a good story.
3: It is a good story. You are. I'll have to get noting on that.
2: You know, you need to have (laughs) me come on once a month to
1: talk about diaspora news. I'm telling you. (laughs) One last thing, you know, you're both raised originally from North America, but one of you has Canadian, uh, a little Canadian's connections. Maybe you want to tell us what that is.
2: So I grew up uh, in Port Moody, BC, and I lived there until I was ten, which is why I sound so strange to many people. Uh, But I'm not actually a Canadian citizen. I was born in the U.S., and my parents, uh, who were professional classical musicians, just moved around uh, so frequently until they settled in Indiana, which is where we moved after we left uh, Canada. And it was a heartbreaking decision to leave Canada, and my mother, who is a singer and was just really getting uh, her feet on the ground in Vancouver, uh, which is right near Port Moody, uh, was heartbroken, but my father was a pragmatist and an orchestral clarinetist said, you know, you just can't eat scenery. And uh, so we <laughs> moved, <laughs> unfortunately, to the corn and soy fields of Indiana.
1: And what, uh, you, so you went to like, I guess, the first couple of grades in school in Canada? Correct. Through grade five. Uh-huh. And were you, the, in Port Moody, there were, there's no Jews there.
2: There are no Jews there. There are no Jews there that that I knew about, but that was not at all a part of my life until I was probably in uh, grade 10 or so. What does that mean? Ah, well, (laughs) how much time do you have? (laughs)
3: That's a little more complicated.
2: It's it's, It's a long story.
3: Do
1: you have any um, ties? Do you still come back to Canada ever? Or I mean, not during COVID, I suppose, but...
2: No and uh to be honest I haven't been back to North America since covering the funerals for the Pittsburgh uh, massacre. And
1: uh Jessica, are any Canadian ties, connections, interests, friends? Uh I have a lot of
3: friends in Toronto and uh, and Montreal actually and I've visited I visited Montreal. I have not visited Toronto, but I have some really great connections and my my husband used to go every year and uh sing as a um, on the high holidays at different synagogues in the Toronto area. So he used to go every year. And what? Yeah. Can we can we know his name? His name is Daniel Laufer. He hasn't been also since prior to, I mean, essentially probably the, the September, the high holiday period right before COVID. So I guess 2019. I don't know if it's going to happen again post-COVID because synagogues, as we all know, have in North America have changed a lot in the way that they operate. So, but I have I have good feelings towards Canada.
2: <laughs> Toronto is the best city, really the best city. It's my favorite city, I would say, in North America, hands down. It's clean. It's like a clean, cultured New York. It's, it's just great. My brother lived there for many, many, many years.
1: <laughs> you know, there are a lot of famous Canadians who uh, live in Israel now. Uh, can you name some?
2: <gasps> um, does uh, Michal Kotler count? Ah
1: and Irwin, of course. And And Erwin. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. yes. Education and uh, remembrance czar. He doesn't like that word, czar.
3: Uh other famous Canadians in Israel, I am coming up completely blank. I'm sure they're all right. Many. I'm gonna help you on.
1: First name is Sylvan. He has bicycles oh oh okay oh, so sylvan oh, adam okay. so mm-hmm. just no. rescued yes, he rescued no. the last yes, Jewish Adams. family yes. in afghanistan and so many israelis so many so many athletes and judges paid for that uh gil troy yeah
3: well right and he's married to sylvan's sister
1: linda
2: i think you get double points for that yeah, yeah. shauna goodman it, thank
1: she's one too shauna goodman ah, the, sure uh, a chef and a uh, member of the philanthropy yeah, of course family. But, um but uh, she's she's, uh, changing the- she's changing the face of summer camps in israel uh, is there anything you wanted to say to your canadian fans or uh, ask anything or uh, sum up before we say goodbye
2: i had a dream about two months ago about Wayne <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. And I'm just wondering how many people out there also have these dreams. I mean, it, obviously he was a superstar during my childhood and he just popped up all of a sudden. I'm like, I am a 46 year old woman, but he's still pretty cute in my dreams. And I'm just wondering, is he, is he this uh, symbol still in Canada?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. And you know why he popped up in your dreams? Because it's actually, Wayne Gretzky in Canada is now on TV all the time because- we now allow, we, the government's now in Ontario and other places allow single game betting, sports betting, which they didn't until April 1st. And so there's a zillion ads in the playoffs, the the Stanley Cup playoffs begin on Monday. So that's huge for the national hockey teams, right? And every five seconds, there's another ad for bet99.net or I don't know. And I forget what Gretzky's is, MGM. So you see Gretzky in this, I think it's MGM. He goes I think it's some Las Vegas venue and they have these you know CGI graphics with Ice lions coming out of sculptures and he walks through this sort of red sea and they of, of not the red yeah, like it, it literally splits and he walks through. So I don't know, he's not Jewish, but it kind of looks like the Israelites going through this fountain of water to bet and and you know it's Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, maybe that's why you you saw an ad for it on your feed or something, and that's why it's popped up into your mind. So yeah, he's one of the main um pitchmen now in, in in Canada and North America for this.
3: I don't think I can counter that. So I think I'm just going to leave it with Wayne Gretzky because really, does anything else need to be said?
1: And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this anniversary episode of the CJN Daily sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. And thanks again to Metropia for renewing our sponsorship for another six months. Today's listener shout-out goes to Phil Kretzmar of Ottawa. He's an activist working to bring awareness about the genocide of Uyghurs in China. If you like the CJN Daily and you don't want to miss an episode while you wait for the newsletter to come later in the week, you can get it directly on your phone every day. So why not follow us on Apple iTunes or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I made a short video on how to do that, and I put the link for you in our show notes.
0: This episode has been brought to you by Looking Back, Moving Forward, 160 Years of Jewish Life in B.C. Published by the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia for their 50th anniversary, this elegant volume is a -a once-in-a-generation collection of Jewish life and history throughout the province. Order your copy today at jewishmuseum.ca.